Hello and welcome to Comically Incompetent. My name is Doug. And I'm Ben. And this week, just want to remind everyone that we are on YouTube. You guys can check us out at Comically Incompetent Podcast on YouTube, or as well as our every Monday morning at 7 a.m. on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Podbean. So now to get right into this, we have a character who I feel like has had a pretty hefty pop culture influence, and that would be Electra. Now, to go along with Electra, we have a beer called Cheating Death from Green Cheek Brewing. So, Ben, why don't you go in and talk a little bit about Electra? All right, let's dive right into Electra Nachios. She's the Greek assassin. She's really Ooh. cool. I like her, yeah. I, I love many of her. Th- okay, so this is probably one of the characters that I like the uh, pop culture cinema and film iterations of her more than like most other characters so i'm just going to lead in with that so starting with this character this is a marvel character who first appeared in 1981 she was created by frank miller who frank miller worked on like a lot of comic books but i would say is almost more well known for being a um graphic novel slash miniseries creator so like he did the graphic novel for dark knight he did a graphic novel that went along with the daredevil movie uh, he actually did the graphic novel of Sin City, which came before the movie. Um, and he also did the um, graphic novel that inspired 300. So there was a movie in the 60s that was about the Battle of Thermopylae, which is 300. Then he wrote a graphic novel about 300, I believe actually called 300. And then that's why the most recent iteration 300 which came out what in like 07 or something like that that's why it has such a stylized view is because it was based off this guy's novel i just wanted to give a little background to frank miller just because i think he's like i love like all the comic book authors we've talked about but i think he's really interesting because he, he, he does different stuff a little yeah bit. that's kind of like out of kind of in left field a little bit for most of the people that we usually talk about for as far as like creating these characters yeah, we've mostly gone with the traditional, like, Stanley kind of people where they're like, I've written 700 different comic book characters and I do, like, a weekly episodic kind of thing. So I, I thought it was cool to get a little, little different author in here. Yeah. So leading into Electra, fun fact about her, she's based off of uh, a real-life person, as far as aesthetically, called Lisa Leon, or Lion, I believe. Um, she's a pioneer of female bodybuilding in the late 70s. Feel free to Google or not to Google she is like, oh, she's, she's a really cool um, bodybuilder from that time. And she kind of brought it to popularity and brought it from just being like old school, attractive woman to like, oh, this person's actually a bodybuilder. She has like a good, like sturdy frame on her and everything. Um, I will let people know that she was in uh, an edition of Playboy. So if you do Google it, there is a chance that risque material may come up. So I'm going to give everybody that warning, <laughs> but it's neat to know that this is based off the look of a real person and somebody that I think is pretty, pretty interesting. So she's a, she's in every iteration is a, um, very traditionalist Greek woman with uh, long dark hair and usually has like an accent to go along with it. Like it isn't like, Oh, of Greek heritage, but they've lived in America or whatever. Like, no, she's straight up born in Greece, the whole nine yards, which is super neat. Cause that's not necessarily a place we get to see heroes or villains from very often in comic books. You know, it's kind of a niche place. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She wears a full red suit, like we'll kind of get into later, but she has a bandana, boots, bracers, and usually a sash, but it's all red with kind of like black accent marks on it um, as her like red ninja appearance is kind of how I would describe it. She has twin sai, which are basically long daggers with blade guards. If anyone's familiar with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that's the one that Raphael has. He has the is that two. what they're called? Yeah, they're called sais, S-A-I. 
they're pretty cool. And they're usually done in two. I believe they're supposed to be, like, designed really well as a duelist kind of weapon. Like, the guards, you can, like, hook in people's blades and stuff with that. So it's, like, if you prefer daggers, but you want to really get into a fight rather than just, like, shank somebody, you, it's kind of a better one for that. See, your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing was very helpful for me to understand. It. I, I was trying to think of, because I was like, I was just going to say long daggers. And I was like, well, it's very specific that they're size. And then I was like, okay, how can I describe that in a way that I think most people will understand it? And I was like, got it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Everybody knows them. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, oh, do they have comic books? Is that something we can go over? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I would assume do, but I might have to double check on that. We'll look into it. Maybe yeah, we'll look episode. into that. We'll do a Raphael episode, and we'll talk about twin size again. <laughs> so, to her absolute origin, she was born on a Greek island, like a private island, to Costas and Christina Nachios, with, and she had a brother named uh, Orestes, I believe is the pronunciation. I could totally be butchering that, and I apologize. Uh, her mother was killed by one of her father's enemies when they were out on their yacht. Her father um, basically had like a criminal syndicate. He was, like, very successful as much as he was able to have his own private island, but he garnered a lot of enemies. So that was obviously awful. In order to get over her grief and help her focus, her father had her train in martial arts, which, you know, is a common thing. Like, a lot of people that go through tragedy pick up martial arts, not necessarily as just, like, a defensive thing, but it's, it's a good way to teach focus and to, you know, to kind of center yourself and help people yeah. control themselves. It, it, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. So sometime later, her father was appointed to being um, the Greek ambassador to the United States. This is when she was in her like mid to late teens. So they moved to the U.S. She started going to Columbia University, which, as we all know, really good school on the East Coast. I don't well, it's in Columbia. Duh. I was gonna say I don't know where exactly it is, <laughs> <laughs> but this is where she met Matt Murdock. Which for people that are comic book fans, Matt Murdock is Daredevil, or fans of the Netflix show. Yeah, or yeah, fans of the Netflix show movies comic books i feel like he's a super popular character you yeah know, every, everybody loves daredevil for people that uh, are familiar aren't familiar whatever they have like a very linked relationship electra and daredevil are kind of like the batman catwoman relationship where like they're constantly always in the same world interacting as enemies friends you know w whatever have you so she kind of was very adept because of the training that she'd received like she would she wasn't she wasn't dumb you know like once she goes to columbia so, you know she's clearly very smart but also she's can recognize when something's not necessarily right about somebody from all of her martial arts training so she followed matt one day and she caught him essentially leaping across town like from roof to roof like you always kind of imagine in the <laughs> comic books very classic like i'm picturing like comic book paneling of him like jumping from roof to roof yes it, it really was very comic book paneling of jumping from roof to roof as he was trying to make it across town and like she knows matt at this point so she's like uh that guy's blind so i don't i don't know if what i know Something is might be exactly up there. going off yeah it's like something's a little weird there so essentially the two became infatuated with each other like they just had kind of this weird bond that sprung out of nowhere maybe it was that they both knew that they had suffered tragedy. Maybe it was that, you know, they both were into martial arts. Like, just they, they had this unspoken kind of bond. It's kind of left that way where it's just like, it's almost like destiny kind of thing that draws them together. So they even began to train together. You see a little bit of this in, like, the Netflix TV show where they're, like, you know, going on runs together and they're doing martial arts together. That's, like, a very traditional relationship between these so middle 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 they've been training for a little bit they fight a little bit of crime together kind of casual not like superhero 
superhero kind of work, you know? Then she eventually jumps in and she starts training with the Chaste, which if people have seen the Daredevil show, they're familiar with Chaste. It's uh, like Styx faction, but it's essentially people that are trying to defeat the Hand, which the Hand is a secret ninja organization in the Marvel universe, and they're super neat, and I love it. She got rejected out of this group, though, unfortunately, because she was far too emotional. It's like the the chaser are very, you'd almost imagine them like monks, where they're like, they're supposed to be centered and at peace, and she's kind of a loose cannon. So they're like, listen, we can't have you here. We need you to, we need you to get out. Like, you're, you're going to make some crazy, terrible decisions. After that, she's dedicated to prove her worth. She's like, no, I can do this. I'm, I'm going to be a chase. I'm going to be with Matt. We're going to tackle crime together. So what she does is she's like, okay, I'm going inv- to um, invade the hand, like undercover. So she invades him undercover to prove that she's like good enough to be in the chase. Unfortunately, they're very sneaky. They figure out that she's undercover. Like it isn't very hard for them. They have all these mystical means and she becomes corrupted by their tricks and ends up actually becoming hand for a while. This is another common plot line that we see in every movie, film, comic book, every time this character is introduced, she has kind of that similar thing where she ends up joining the hand from one way or the other. This is the very traditional approach to that. She eventually realizes this is not what she wants to do. So she flees the hand and essentially becomes an assassin for hire. Generally still operating in the US. She goes all over the world. But for the most part, because she's, she's still trying to stay close to Matt, to uh, Daredevil, which is kind of the way that we see it Again, in all the iterations we see, you know, I, that's why I'm saying I love the the way that she's been done in cinema, whether people like liked necessarily like I'm going to reference the movie because I know that one's a little more. <laughs> Everyone loves the show. Like it's considered like one of the best comic book television shows. But yeah, we'll get into that whole 2003 movie and uh, discuss that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, it was it was an experience. <laughs> so as far oh, as God. like base origin. I would say that's most of this character's origin. The one thing I'd tack on there is that at some point later, comic books are generally broken down into runs and a run will be like self-contained stories. So the way you would think of it, of a run of a comic book is usually like a season of a TV show, but it isn't necessarily like run one is called run one and then run two. So it's not necessarily ordered that way, but it it works kind of story-wise like seasons. What I'll say is she goes on a billion different adventures. I would say the most important thing that occurs to her in one of these adventures is that there is a point where she dies and is resurrected um, by the hand, which gives her a, a whole new host of abilities, which kind of ties in our beer that I was thinking of is that, that, that cheating death beer. I was like, oh, that's so great. Like there's a character that literally cheated death by being resurrected. Um, it's a good one. Hopefully, hopefully I'll get to try it one of these days. Once we're, once we're all free. You know what? Side free. note on that. I have been, from the past episodes we recorded, I've been saving you a can of every one that I've been picking out for the podcast. Oh my so, god, I'm so excited. So when this is all over, I do have, like, a six-pack or more of, like, cans from different breweries of all the ones we've covered in all the episodes. That's gonna be hard to drink in one episode. No, just, see, <laughs> now what you do is you catch up and you listen to our podcast, even though you recorded it. Oh, that's a good point. Catch that's up on the beer. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's her general background. I will say that her being resurrected happens, I think, um, maybe like three or four like runs down the line. But I would say it's the next like major plot point that I'd want to hit. So that's kind of the origin. I think it's pretty neat. 
I think it's been adapted well. Let's go into powers, which is my favorite part. I bet th- <laughs> this is going to be another one of these. This is going to be like um, Green Lantern, where you're going to get like half of these, like bang, 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 bang. And then you're just going to be like, I had no idea on the other half of them. That sounds like every week to me, but okay. <laughs> you were pretty darn good with Ghost Rider, I think. And, uh, and which is Hellboy. surprising. All the fire guys. <laughs> I did no, I did pretty well with um, Colossus last week. Oh, actually, yeah, you did do really well with Colossus. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I got a few. Just I was thinking about it. Well, you were talking, and I'm gonna say something along the lines of like something easy, like fighting peak, like insanely amazing fighter, which is gonna be like a superpower, like super skilled, super quick. I put down master martial artist, so that definitely yeah. counts as your super yeah, yeah. fighter. Um, so you, you you pick out something interesting. You said it very quick. I made a specific yeah. point of this. So she has uh, what's often described as inhumanly fast reflexes. So like uh-huh. you know, a lot of times I'll say like, oh, it's peak human fitness, or it's like fast yeah. as an Olympic sprinter. She has like daredevil level reactions, or like Spider Man level reactions, where it's like you know she could like dodge a bullet, like st- stuff that no normal person could do. So that's okay. Yeah, I made a little specific point of that. Um, I'm gonna say we cut. I think we talked about this with um, Black Widow. Peak human fitness. She does have peak human fitness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She and, she trains uh, as an athlete um, and a martial artist for I mean, pretty much her whole life. Like I think she started when she was like eight or something like that. Seven or eight started training martial arts. I mean, before the time she even meets Matt Murdock, she's been doing martial arts for like a decade, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, what would you guess wanna... from from her appearance, like from her outfit and her weapons and stuff? Ninja. Yeah, more or less. That might be a little bit of a cheating <laughs> one. I, I put that she's a master assassin, but I feel like I feel like that's different than just being a good martial artist. You know, like she's good at like infiltrating and like killing yeah. people and poisoning people and that kind of stuff. And then I'll okay, say so, I'll, I'll yeah. break it out from here, and I'll say the rest of these powers are all um, from after her resurrection. So the rest of the power list is all things that are a little more supernatural because she got them while uh, after being resurrected by the hand. After she cheated at death. After, as one might say, after she cheated <laughs> death. Good. Do- oh, that's why you chose the beer. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so these are all a little weirder. Um, so it might be a little tougher to guess. Yeah, I'm going to admit I've probably got nothing for this. <laughs> that's, that, that's fair. I don't blame you on that one. Okay, so let me think about the way I want to start this. So I'm going to start off with the easiest ones. Or the, or the not easiest ones. Like I'm not even going to say most. I was going to say most normal. Whatever. I'm just going to go into it. Okay. So... She has some small degree of telekinetic ability, so she can, like, oh, wow. levitate stuff. It's not, like, crazy. Like, it's not, like, Doctor Strange kind of, like, throwing buildings and stuff. But, you know, she's been known to, like, make a her size slide across a table to her or to, like... I just never would have said that. Yeah, it, a, a lot of them are um, mental kind of powers. Um, she has the ability of hypnosis. So she can hypnotize people, which I consider to be, like, mystical. I don't know. Some people think there's, like, little gimmicks you can do. But I consider this a, a, a mystical kind of hypnosis, not a not a gimmicky kind of hypnosis. No, especially in a comic book. I mean, when it's a comic book, I feel like there's you, you kind of have to, like, believe in, like, the mystical part of it. If you're reading a comic book, you have to assume it's something mystical, not some gimmick, I feel like. Well, but there are some... I'd agree for like 99.9% of the time. There are some people that do kind of uh, gimmicky stuff like Mysterio. Um, oh, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. But, but for 99% of the time, I would say in a comic book, if someone's getting hypnotized, they're probably like mystically getting hypnotized. Yeah. 
Okay, so she can. Uh, she has been known to have some visions of the future. So this is not necessarily like an on-demand thing, but it's more the iteration where you see where she might like touch a specific object and then be like, oh my god, like I have this vision of how so-and-so is going to die or whatever, that kind of thing. Not like an on-demand vision, but like a randomly popping up. More like a That's So Raven situation. Oh my god, I totally forgot That's So Raven had <laughs> visions in it. That was an interesting show. That's like the whole point of the show. Yeah, I, I just haven't seen it in a while. I have to go back it's been and watch the anthology. <laughs> <laughs> um, some have attributed that vision ability to like possibly some of how she has such fast reflexes, you know? Like Daredevils, they, they lay out this whole, oh, he has these fast reflexes because he can like... He has enhanced hearing and enhanced smell, and he, like, combines all that together, you know, and enhanced touch and stuff, and, he, oh, and that's how he gets it. Some people have said maybe the visions of the future have a little bit to do with her fast reflexes, like she actually sees what happens before it happens. For anybody that's ever been curious, because I know this is a podcast dedicated to people that probably would be not completely bored by this comment, but that's actually how Jedi <laughs> dodge stuff and, re- and reflect stuff with their lightsabers they actually see tiny 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 incremental glimpses into the future so they're actually responding to something they know is coming it's not just that their reflexes are super fast nerd nerd alert <laughs> <laughs> and then uh the the last one that i would put on here and i wanted to put this one last because i think it's possibly one of the weirdest powers i've ever seen excluding things like the blob uh she has a unique <laughs> ability to do what's called mind switching So basically, she can actually swap her mind with another human's mind. And to give an example, because that's like, you're like, what what does that mean? To give an example of how this practically would work is, let's say she's doing like an assassination thing and she needs to assassinate, uh, I don't know, some sort of like governor or something. Obviously, that person's really hard to get to. So what she might do is she might find like their head bodyguard or whatever, and she swaps her mind to theirs. And so she's literally in their body and they're in her body. What she can then do is put her body into like a vegetative state, you know, like a coma. Like it'll just like sit there. The person's basically trapped in limbo while she's in their body and she can take their body and then go you know assassinate the person in that form which one not only is it a lot easier to get access to targets that you're looking for if you're able to literally take over somebody's body but you also have a much easier time keeping your uh i'm gonna mispronounce this like anonymity state of being Uh, (laughs) anonymous and not anonymous anonymous See it, see it, see a menomy. Anonymity? Oh my god, okay, never I mind. think you were close on that last one. I think, yeah, well, An- don't worry. <laughs> we'll figure this out, and in next week's episode, we'll pronounce it correctly. No, we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's very useful for hers. What I thought the very interesting thing about this power was is that they make it very clear that the minds actually switch. It isn't just that she like duplicates herself into this person, but that the person is stuck in her body as well, which is just one of those extra miles. I love when comic book writers go the extra mile. Like nobody would question. Nobody would question what happens to the other person's mind. Like they could have just called it mind control, but they're like, no, 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 this is something very different. This is a mind switch. He's switching (laughs) bodies with them. I was like, all right, dude, that's, that's pretty cool, I guess. But, that's something that I don't think they really show 
in uh, many of the modern iterations of her, but I think it's super cool. Anonymity. Animate. Anonymity. I got it. Dude, on the first try, too, that was pretty good. <laughs> we'll edit that around. <laughs> we'll edit that around. <laughs> yeah, so that's more or less general PowerPoints. The oh, last thing I'd <laughs> PowerPoints. The, the last thing I'd kind of bring up is about um, groups that she's commonly a part of, just because I always like kind of tacking that onto it. So she's shortly with the chaste, like we said. Um, she's in and out of the hand. So I gave you the origin story where she's in there for a part of it. But there are occasions throughout her different runs that she comes back and is a part of the hand again. Um, she's an assassin slash bounty hunter for various different groups. And then she actually spent a little bit of time as a uh, agent for S.H.I.E.L.D. Kind of like a mercenary. Like, she wasn't on payroll, but, like, Nick Fury approached her one time and was like, I'll give you 500000 if you can assassinate this target. So, okay. You know, yeah, it's just kind of like an additional thing. Apparently, yeah. everyone's been in S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they'll let anyone in there. Like, yeah, they'll let anyone in S.H.I.E.L.D. Dear <laughs> Lord. Letting Captain America in there? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's bull****. <laughs> oh, I'm going to that. <laughs> That's going to be a hard cut. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's more or less her comic book iteration. I, I'm, I'm curious to kind of hear a little more about your take on the... Because she's had two cinema experiences, to the best of my knowledge, and then... Two cinema and, and two television. Tel- not not a lot for a character... Because I feel like a lot of the characters we have done in the past... Like, I think Colossus last week is a good example of... There's a lot of small stuff and then a bunch of big stuff after a while. She had very little... Like, there's no, like, small roles, no, like, little bits in... Te- like, in animated shows or whatever she just kind of all of a sudden came out and was in daredevil i mean the 2003 movie daredevil where we had ben affleck play daredevil you had colin farrell as bullseye we had that bullseye on his forehead and i will say the only redeeming quality of that movie was michael clark duncan playing oh what's his name the kingpin oh gosh dude i that's another character that i've i've loved a lot of their iterations as kingpin a lot of a lot of spider-man stuff a lot of daredevil stuff yeah, I mean, the three Kingpin that I can think of are Mike, Michael Clark Duncan this one, and Daredevil. Fantastic. I don't remember his name. The dude from, like, Law & Order or something? Uh, is it the Daredevil Vincent show. D'Onofrio. Yes, exactly. He is... He's I amazing. love him as an actor, and he's so good in that. Like, he's like a perfect Kingpin. It's crazy. He was so good that I feel like a lot of the, like, the TV shows we, co- like, we cover for the Marvel shows, none of them could really fit into the MCU. I could see him being a full, like, MCU villain for, like, not, like, a big, like avengers threat but like a like a spider-man threat would he'd be fantastic against uh tom holland spider-man i could see that yeah i um, think he'd be really good at that and then you know the kingpin that we have in uh into the spider-verse was also really cool but massive with a tiny boy. little head um, that, that's okay, actually so, very very true to origins by yeah. the way just oh is it really yeah so so we can like just cap off that and then go back to the electro thing but yeah it's actually a that is a very true to comic book iteration. He's normally very comically, <laughs> I guess because he's a comic book character, but he's very normally comical looking. Yeah. So back to lecture, we have the 2003 film. It was directed by Mark Steven Johnson, who also directed the 2007 Ghost Rider movie. So Ben made a comment before we started recording was he, he loves Marvel, but he's not very good at Marvel. <laughs> yeah, this, this guy's all over Marvel and all over the things we wish weren't Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's also has a few writer credits. I mean, he's been off and on working. I mean, if I'm on his IMDb right now, he's been directing from 1998 to 2020. He has a movie coming out called Love Guaranteed. But we have the 2003 Daredevil film, which wasn't very good. It wasn't exactly 
accepted very well by fans or critics. But you know what? Against all odds, they made a sequel, which is more of a spin-off than a sequel. We have the 2005 film Elektra, which was directed by Rob Bowman, who I think that's really his only movie. I mean, he's did that in a movie called Reign of Fire a couple years before. Besides that, he mostly just directs TV shows. He directed The X-Files for like 30 episodes. He directs a bunch so of TV movies. Doug, I have kind of a performance question based off yeah. this. Because I obviously just, I, I just don't know the cinema world as much as you. I, in my, I guess, naivety, I always believed that, like, if you're going to make a sequel to a movie or, like, a spinoff or whatever, like, clearly it's because there was enough interest in the beginning part. Why not bring the director back? I mean, obviously we discussed that that movie wasn't necessarily, like, is it, is it just normal practice to be like, hey, we're going to do a second one, we're like, eh, different director. First one was enough to garner interest, but we're going to go different director? Or is that, like, weird? Is that weird that that occurred? Or is that, like, no, it happens? It depends. It, it's more of like a, eh, it happens. The situation can be a bunch of different things. It could have been money. It could have been that the movie maybe wasn't as good and they wanted to do this one a little better, so they switched directors. Maybe they didn't like working with him. Maybe, I think a lot of it, in my opinion, I'm jaded when it comes to the film industry, which I don't know if it's because I'm working it or whatever, but I feel like a lot of it always just comes down to the money. I mean, maybe the director wanted more money to come back and they said no, or... It also could have been they wanted a different feel because this is more of a spin-off than a sequel, so they could have wanted. A different yeah, it was, tone. it was a very different movie. Yeah, they could have wanted just a different tone to it. Um, okay. Yeah, you never know, but the, I, I, I just thought inter- that'd be interesting to kind of bring up because I'm like, I don't know if other yeah. people are more my knowledge of cinema or your knowledge of cinema on who tends to listen yeah. to us, but yeah. The interesting thing I think about her character as Electra was that she was licensed to 20th Century Fox for the 2003 and 2005 films we just talked about. But apparently in 2014, Kevin Feige announced that Marvel Studios owns Elektra, which is why, you know, we have her in the Daredevil show. But I think that could possibly mean maybe MCU if they don't... Because they have these mo- these TV shows. You know, you have Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist. So I'll, and- uh, I'll also bring a point in here, which I wasn't sure if I was going to bring into this episode. Um, that can also lead into the him in 2014 announcing that. There is a little bit of controversy around this character. Uh, from my understanding, I don't have a grasp, uh, a perfect grasp of the whole thing, so people can do their independent research if they want. But essentially, uh, Frank Miller, who was the creator of the character we talked about earlier, um, after the character died, he like expressly wanted Elektra's story arc and everything done. Like He was like, okay, I don't want, I don't want new runs of Elektra. I don't want Electra to be portrayed in in like new uh, media or anything like that. I know there was there was some controversy between the original creator, and I think that was kind of around like it sparked up in the early two thousands, and then I believe sometime around like twenty eleven. Again, if people want more in depth details, they can go into that themselves. But I know there there is a little bit of controversy between the creator of Electra and the fact that Marvel has continued to use this character. Oh, okay. Just kind of thrown out there. I don't know if that necessarily is exactly why it was like Kevin Feige coming out and saying that, but certainly they've continued to use the character. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, going into now we have her. She was in Daredevil Season 2, portrayed by Elodie Young, which I don't think I actually said in the 2003 and 2005 film, she's portrayed by Jennifer Garner. American treasure, by the way. (laughs) I love Jennifer Garner. Who, Who I think at the time of those movies, she was dating or married or something to Ben Affleck. 
Oh, that would make sense. By the but, way, why does Ben Affleck like, keep trying to be a superhero? I get that maybe it's cool, but wasn't like the whole old adage for like the longest time that like when you do a movie as a superhero, it like ruins your career? Aren't you like only ever seen as the superhero then? It did for a bit. I think in the early two, especially when you have like Fantastic Four. Like personally, I don't see the guy who played Reed Richards in Fantastic Four as anything else. When I see him in another movie, he's Reed Richards. So maybe at the time, but I mean, I don't. I see Chris necessarily... Evans. I just think, I just see the Human Torch. <laughs> <laughs> but see when i see ben affleck i don't think batman i don't think daredevil maybe just because his movies weren't very good i still think goodwill hunting i think goodwill i think goodwill but like hunting, in goodwill think, hunting um, he's just Argo. a normal dude you know i think that's the benefit of that kind i think maybe that's what it is it's like if you're if somebody's famous for a movie like goodwill hunting or you know he's famous for a lot of movies but he's famous for being just a guy in those which like just a guy can be anyone in any movie but like yeah you know if you're famous for being like daredevil it's like like i don't think i'll ever be able to see charlie cox as not daredevil you know that's fair well the, i think the difference also is that when i see charlie cox i uh, like he did such a good job playing daredevil a lot i honestly believe that he was blind until i saw him in a different oh yeah it was thing. incredible whereas ben affleck you watch him for three seconds in the 2003 movie and you're like okay let's just ben affleck being ben affleck yeah <laughs> it's like nobody ever had a conversation with ben affleck of what being blind even means like he just thought his character had vision (laughs) yeah like he didn't do a very good job whereas like charlie cox did such a good job in the tv show playing matt murdoch and daredevil like that was the thing i think that that's where i think ben affleck has always struggled in playing superheroes is that he's really good at doing one not the other like he's very good bruce wayne but wasn't very good batman yeah you know what i mean like i think and I think that's where the thing, uh, that kind of comes in. But as far as for the TV shows, I mean, we have her, Electra, portrayed by Elodie Young, who is, she was fantastic. Oh, she was amazing. She was really, really good. Like, I think yeah. that was a huge addition to that show. Like, I know we just talked about how great Charlie Cox was. Like, he was fantastic. But if we're looking at, like, a very traditional sense of what creates a good Daredevil story, like, one, you you have to have Electra. You know, it's, like, it's one yeah. of the foundational pieces um, it's like going through like a Spider-Man iteration and never seeing a symbiote. It's, it's just like such a core part of those stories. Or not seeing Mary Jane is probably even a better iteration. Yeah. Um, but man, she did such a good job with just like her body language and the way she spoke and the way she carried herself. Like, Yeah, she was fantastic. Um, you might be able to speak to this. I don't know if you watched it. I never watched The Defenders, but she's also a huge part of The Defenders show. Yes, she was a huge part of the Defenders show. Um, the iteration that she was in the Defenders was the post-resurrection iteration of her. So she wasn't exactly the same character. She was like a little different. But I thought they did it in a very, very well done way, which I also would recommend. I know like people give a lot of lot of grief to uh, like Iron Fist. Iron Fist was terrible. Um, some people don't like Luke Cage. I actually like Luke Cage. I love Luke Cage. When they come together, I actually thought the Defenders was thoroughly worth watching. Like even even if you know you don't necessarily want to go catch up on whatever Iron Fist is doing, it was a really neat combination. And um, for people that don't know, one of my favorite duos in all of comic books is Luke Cage and Iron Fist. They originally formed up to make a group called Heroes for Hire, in which they were essentially like mercenary heroes around like new york which i thought was really funny like they'll be like it's very much like an rpg character where it's like hey you got 50 dollars yeah we'll go like we'll go get rid of the the gang that 
you know, robbed your house for like oh, 50 okay, bucks. Yeah. So, yeah, literally they were heroes for hire. Um, so it's a great iteration of that. But that really does kind of bring it back to the, one of the other things I like about those shows in general is that they showed the pre-resurrection by the hand. They were like, this is Electra, And they showed you like the very base Electra. Then they had her get resurrected in that. Obviously there's spoilers, but I mean, you know, I feel like if you haven't watched Defenders, you're probably not going to. You're not missing a ton. It's not the greatest <laughs> thing in the world, but there's some neat little links in there. It's more of like a, uh, what's that term for when they're like, I don't want to call it pandering to the fans because it sounds so bad. But you know when you like give wink to the fans, you're like, hey, look at this little reference. I mean, it's pandering. That's yeah, it but it's, I, I thought there was some term for it, but whatever. I thought that show was mostly little references like that to make the comic book fans be like, hey, it's the thing. They did the thing. Easter I eggs. Thought it, yeah, maybe like Easter eggs or like homages or something or like little yeah. winks to the audience. But yeah, I, going back to Electra though, I thought it was really neat to see her pre and post- resurrection phase where she has kind of this more crazy mystical power in her because when you see her in daredevil season two she's just she's kind of like the origin that i read you that very traditional origin where she meets matt columbia Uh, i believe in that show they meet at like a party or something like some high class party yeah yeah but i thought um i thought it was neat to be able to see both iterations of the character and well done and well done yeah, and then to wrap up her uh, in media, she's also in a bunch of video games from mobile to console. She's in Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, Marvel Puzzle Quest, Marvel Contest of Champions. She's Marvel all, Strike Marvel, Force. Yeah, Lego Marvel Super Heroes. She's all over the place. She's um, like the worst character in the game in Marvel Strike Force. <laughs> she's awful. That's disappointing because she's such a cool character. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, that I think the most <laughs> random thing about this character is that I'm going to read this word for word because it's just ridiculous. Electra was among the 10 Marvel characters included in a set of Marvel comic superheroes commemorative postage stamps in 2007. So do with that what information. A weird, what, you will. what a weird <laughs> character. I, I guess if we're looking at what's been popular though, she wasn't, so that was 07. So that means the Electra movie was what? 05? 05. Yeah. Okay. So it was probably, one of the most recent Hulk movies. Like, there was an... Or, uh, superhero movies. Sorry, there was an 03 Hulk, which I was going to bring up. Was that just Marvel, yeah. or was that comic book heroes, you say? It was Marvel. Interesting. Marvel Comics Superheroes Commemorative Postage Stamps. Huh. Yeah, the more you know, the more you grow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I gotta get some postage stamps. No, you don't. <laughs> no, I don't. It's 2020. No, you don't. I'll frame them and put them on my wall. I'll get like 10 of them and then I'll, I'll use all of them within the next 25 years or more, probably more. or more. Yeah. I'm just gonna hit a point where it's just an antique. That's cool though. Yeah. I think, I think we can move on to comic please. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. So, uh, let's see. I, I'm gonna, I thoroughly believe that our, especially the television show iteration, but I think our recent iterations have been pretty true to the comic books. So I think let's give this one a holistic comically rating. Because I feel like a lot of times we break it out. We're like, oh, how was cinema? How was this? I, I think it's okay. close enough that, you know, like, let's go back to a holistic. So one out of ten, zero out of ten, depending on how hateful we are in our rating <laughs> system. How many comicallys out of ten would you give to Electra Nachios? See, the comic book version and the TV show Daredevil version make this go pretty high up my list. I will say the Jennifer Garner version kind of brings it down a little bit, so I'm probably going to yeah. go, and 
Uh, we always say it, but this is real 10-point scale. This isn't 5 as is a 0, like Ben says. So I want to go with a 7.5, because I think that the Jennifer Garner version that we've had the most was not very good, but I will say that I do absolutely love the Daredevil TV show version, and I like the comic book version that you told me. I don't know a whole... I didn't know anything about it. I've never read her in a comic book, but I'm going to go with this... Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with an 8. I'm going to go with an 8. Oh, that is, that's pretty darn high for you. We might have to go back and see where that ranks upon your others. I think it's around the same. I think I've only gone less than... I usually go about 8, 7.5, 8.5, kind of in that area. We're, we're both like... usually pretty impressed with the characters, because... I, yeah. I don't know. I don't pick a lot of characters that I hate, so I guess maybe that maybe that's we'll part get, of it. We'll get there eventually. We're eventually going to have to do a character... Well, like, we did oh, Ghost Rider for Squirrel me. Girl, don't worry. <laughs> I don't know. I might go pretty high on that, but we're eventually going to get to a character that we're not yeah. super thrilled with. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to one that's kind of a so-so character. Okay, let's see. What do I want to give this one? So I'm gonna pre. I'm gonna preface this with a couple points. I'm a huge Daredevil fan, and I'm a huge New Age Defenders fan, as well as the old school Defenders. But as far as new iteration, I'm a big fan. However, she's not the top of my list for daredevil companions or villains like as far as villains i really like kingpin more because i like his realism and like i like nobu a lot and for companions i really like stick even though stick is terrible um (laughs) so i'm gonna give her a 7.5 okay i think she's probably better than that that's why i'm giving those caveats that there's specifically people in this in Daredevil, both as like a comic book and a, and the movies and everything, that I like in a, in a similar role as this, just a little bit more. So that that kind of just personally knocks it down like point five one point ish for me. So I wanted to give that caveat, but I think it's fair. Pretty darn solid. Nobu's really cool though. We'll have to do a note. We'll do a hand episode or something. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Yeah. So, Doug, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us a little about a beer? Yeah. So we did a, another Green Cheek beer. So Green Cheek is I've said it before. One of my absolute favorite breweries. They have a location in Orange, in Orange County, California, and Costa Mesa, again, Orange County, California. This beer is called Cheating Death. It is a California double IPA with Strata, Galaxy, and Mosaic hops. It is a hefty nine point one percent alcohol by volume, and the way that they describe it is light in body, light in color, with a firm bitterness and hoppy flavors of cotton candy and lychee dominating, which I don't taste really cotton candy or lychee when I drink it, but... Thank God. It's it's really good. I mean, (laughs) this was one that I first tried. So when quarantine started in California, Green Cheek stayed open, but they didn't really... They did a different way. What you do is you basically drive up to the building. They'll walk it out to you instead of going in so i went and i picked up a few cans from them and i got this one to try i tried it and immediately the next day went back and got more that's pretty high praise it's really really good it's one of my favorite double ipas especially like a single dry hop double ipa because like you'll get like these triple ipas or um these kind of multi-ipas i really 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 like this one i would definitely recommend it if you can get to a green cheek or someplace that sells it i'd really recommend it and i think you know the name works which full disclosure i did not originally picked this for her ben and i planned the beers and the characters in advance i'd pick something else and when i told ben about this beer for a future character he was like you know this works a lot better for electra yeah he was like he's like why don't you find a good character that works with cheating death and i was like that's kind of hilarious that you chose one (laughs) called cheating death 
So we moved it around, and now we're having it this week, and I would highly recommend it. I know that a lot of our listeners are in California. I don't know if that's safe to assume. Southern California, so if you can get to a Green Cheek, they are still open during these tough times, and a good beer can always help you in a tough time. Ah, here, here, a second on that. So I would recommend it highly. I'd give it about 9 out of 10 comically's. Oh, dang. That... That is incredibly high on our, our beer ratings. It's one of my favorites from them. I'm which so I'll excited sa- for this now. I'll save you a can. It's, I'll Yay! add it to the to the pack that I have for you. <laughs> it's gonna dude, it's gonna be like a truckload by the time this corner. It's gonna be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's awesome. So I think that about wraps up our Electra episode. What do you say, Ben? Yeah, I'd say about so. I think we, I think we've said our piece about Electra Nachios. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna so, go back and apologize yeah. again for if I mispronounced any of the Greek names in this. There's like I not not the best uh, at pronunciating names. Pronounce usually Jesus. it's I, usually I'm the one that mispronounces words, so I'm fine with you doing it. Well, because normally the comic book characters are really easy, and then for some reason they love to pick characters that play them in TV shows with like really really complicated <laughs> names. This one they flipped it around. The easy names were the the actresses that played her. See, I learned my lesson after we did the um, Colossus episode. We had to look up Stefan Kapisic. I had to learn. I learned how to look up how to s- that the actors saying their names so I could learn how to say it it's properly. The best way to get them. <laughs> so, right. uh, just a reminder, everyone, that we are on YouTube. You can check us out there at Comically Incompetent Podcast. We are on Twitter at Comically Pod, Instagram at Comically Pod. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, anywhere you want to listen to us. You can listen to us. Alrighty, that was a pretty darn good one, I thought. She was a good time. Anyone that hasn't seen the TV show, go watch the TV show. Get a little bit of Electra in your life. That was this week's episode of the Comically Incompetent Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Doug. And thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. <laughs>